Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Okay, I think we're rolling. Should we say one, two, three, or is that just a big fail? No, I think it. I think we should try. Okay, all right. All right, one, oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you say, say go and then okay, I'll go. Okay, cool. Oh, shoot, hold on. Okay. Ready, set, go. One, One, two, three. three. Okay, that was okay. That was okay. Yeah. Better than last time, anyway. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) How are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm drinking tea out of a glow-in-the-dark cup so things could be worse i am in my pjs for 12 days now so looking those are now your work clothes yes well they're i call them like uh what would i say business cash maybe (laughs) emphasis on the cash yeah (laughs) um awesome yeah well i haven't seen you since we did an instagram live stream yesterday i know that was pretty fun questionable but fun um, I uh, we got some good questions there. I appreciated uh, a few. I, someone asked like what office characters we were. I like oh, that. Yeah. We got some weird results from the listeners saying I was Angela and you were Kevin. I was like, what a weird combo. Okay, I guess we're accountants. Everyone thinks we're smart. <laughs> we can count numbers really well. Right, right, right. Um, cool. Well, uh, we're still uh, in our homes. Yes. Social distancing. Social distancing. Um, 
I feel like there's probably not many updates since our last episode. No, nothing. I saw I saw a bird fly by the other day. Oh, um, shit. You should have said that first. I know. I really buried the lead. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, uh, for I know we mentioned this in our last episode, but we are on Cameo now. So if you guys yes. want to book us for personal shout outs, you can find us at I think cameo.com slash ATWWD podcast. Correct. And okay, we have cool. super fun doing those. Um, so check it out. And especially because a lot of people weren't able to come to the shows. So it's kind of fun to chat with people right that way. Um, and we're doing stuff on social meds again. The uh, social meds. <laughs> I think I stole that from dude that's fucked up or somewhere. I stole that from another podcast before people come after me. You know what I've been stealing? Um, there, I have um, another podcast I listen to. They say the phrase ego snack. And ooh, that's good. I've been using that a lot. And now I think people might think that I think I created it, but I know I didn't. What show is it? Uh, an Acquired an acquired Taste. Okay. Okay. It's actually called An Acquired but I, I um... liked what you did. That was more of an ego snack <laughs> for me. Thank you. Um, yeah. So we're doing more on social media. Um, so you can find us there. I'm still not verified, but we're waiting with mm-hmm. bated breath. So we'll see. Um, bated breath, winged feet, winged all of it. <laughs> uh and um yeah so you can check us out on instagram we're having fun there um oh i posted my youtube video about uh cautionary german tales people are very kind i have the tab open right now i'm gonna watch it after we record i'm very excited about it we're gonna say you watch it right now i was like i'm hanging up on you (laughs) goodbye no but i I Um, did see your um i saw the the crackling fire you were talking about your your special effects were primo Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I had fun with that. Um, I tried to make it as cozy as possible for a not cozy story, but um, people were really nice. I did demand that people be kind because I'm new to YouTube by myself. Um, but yeah, people were very nice and um, I had fun. I'm going to do installment two, hopefully by the time this comes out. I'm very excited. So, yeah. I have a, a spinoff idea where I oh, yeah, I do your um, your makeup and you dress up as the cautionary tale that you're going to be <laughs> reading about. I should gra- dress up as Strubel Peter with his long fingernails. I don't know. You would probably just look like like, like, like Strubel Peter and uh, like Edward Scissorhands' love child, something like that. <laughs> I probably look like what I look like right now, so <laughs> I think it's probably not that interesting for anybody. I will say my I called my mom and sister and I was like, can you guys watch it? And so my sister kept me on the phone. And then I heard my stepdad in the background go, she looks really old with those glasses on. Whoa. I was like, excuse me. I was like, on the line. And he goes, oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> I was like, you're such a I can hear you. So uh, this is why I'm scared of the internet. Yikes. Anyway. That was probably the scariest thing you could have heard. <laughs> I know. It could have been worse, I guess. Uh, I'd rather be old than, you know, a bunch of other things. But uh are you going to start putting them out uh, regularly or is this just kind of like a, as time goes on, whenever they can be posted, they'll be posted? That's a good question, Em. I don't know. I want to post them regularly, but also I feel like I just keep overloading myself with stupid tasks sure, and then not completing them on time. Um, are you doing any more live shows or live grams? Whatever they're called. I came up I came up with an idea that I don't want to announce yet that I want to do Ooh. for another another game show idea. Oh, fun. But I have I have to figure out how it could actually feasibly work. You'll figure it and out. Then, if anyone um, can figure it out, it's you. You built a literal wheel out you. of things from your own home. Like a spinning You know wheel. what? That was that was lucky because I, I don't know how I did that. And also I did it within a half an hour of having to like show it That's to people insane. too. So 
Um, thank you. And literally um, wrote letters backwards so that in the Instagram you could <laughs> like in the in the Instagram. I'm I maybe my stepdad's right. I'm a thousand. Um, so, wow, you look so old right now. <laughs> so on Instagram you can read the words because they're uh, it's like a reversal image. So and literally wrote them backwards. It was nuts. Anyway, I was very impressed. We um. And then uh, I'm still, I do want to shout out right now to remind everyone that Mondays, um, five Pacific and eight eight Eastern, um, I'm still doing Marvel Mondays. So oh, yeah. if you want to join me on Instagram, we you can tune in on your end and watch uh, watch your watch the movie on your end, and I'll watch it on my end, and we can kind of be just be on the couch together and enjoy. It's fun because uh, I just get to sit there and read people's comments, and then guess what Em's going to say in response. We really and should take over each other's Instagrams at some point and answer as if we are each other. Holy shit, that would be funny. That's a great idea. Okay. I think so. I also think we, we go write that down. I think we know each other well enough that we probably could answer accurately most of the time. I think so. I was watching your game show and I was like, I know M and Allison really well. I feel like I could have been like a like a phone a friend, you know? Well, I appreciate that. I you definitely would have if I had to ever know a question about Allison, you would be the friend I phoned. <laughs> I feel very honored to be that person. Um, speaking of things that uh, people, some people know about me and some don't, is that I have known for a very, very, very long time. By the way, this is like a personal update about my okay, insanity check. Okay, okay. Quarant- <laughs> how I'm slowly slipping away in this quarantine. Um, I've for a long time I've always wanted to learn how to play the banjo, but I know I know myself well enough that first of all I give up the second something's hard. I'm just. I don't have it in me to be anything other than a quitter. How are you still and doing then, this podcast? But okay, thanks. <laughs> I just I just scream cry into a pillow. Um but uh but with musical instruments, like I have such a block, like my my hands won't allow themselves to do two different things at the same time. And it's like I'm sure a lot of people have said that before, but like I'm not like I cannot do two things at once with both hands. Oh my. So like I've wanted to play guitar before, I've wanted to play drums and like it's like the patting your head and rubbing your stomach. Yeah. Like I cannot do those things. And so I know very well, like that's just a pipe dream that I have to like say sayonara to. Like it's never going to happen. And as of like 3 a.m. this morning, I've convinced myself I will learn how to play the banjo while I'm quarantined. I don't own a banjo. Oh and also, my God. <laughs> so I've been telling Allison, I'm like, no, I'm going to learn the banjo. And she's like, no, you won't. And I'm like, you have a banjo? No. Oh, I just have assumed that I'm just gonna fucking practice the hand motions. I don't know what's going on with me. What the hell? Okay. I but mean, like it, Steve Martin. That Exactly. So basically, uh, life update, I will be learning the banjo without a banjo. Uh, Beautiful. I'll let you know how it goes. I think we can all guess how it's going to go, but I'll, I'll keep you updated anyway. It can only Perfect. go up from here. Okay. Okay. Sorry, folks. Had to test the microphones. Um, anyway, yes. Well, if you do play the banjo, Em, I would love you to serenade me or at least write me a song, please. Thank you. Oh, I definitely. You didn't have a chance in hell. If I learn how to play... Listen, I will be too powerful if I knew how to play musical instruments and I would only write songs <laughs> about you. Oh, uh, well... I like to sing into your eyes, so I guess it's about time you add some musical accompaniment. Perfect. Well, so here's the thing, though. I used to think I knew how to play the ukulele very badly, but I kind of knew. Okay. And then, um, but Allison actually is a great ukulele player. 
So I'm going to have her during this quarantine teach me the ukulele. And then if I have enough confidence after the quarantine, I will then move on to my own musical instrument. Oh, you're going to learn ukulele first. I'm going to use that first because if I can learn anything, then I'll feel confident that I should at least try. Okay. Because banjo is going to be extremely complicated. So I feel like a ukulele is a better place to start for your confidence. Yes. And then I'll graduate to banjo. Fantastic. I can't wait. Anyway, uh, so that's my update. Okay. Well, that's very thrilling, exciting. I'm very excited about it. Um, I don't really have anything else except that our patron of the week is Akemi, and I actually know her. I met her one time at Korean Barbecue. How about that? Thank you. Uh, Marilyn introduced me. So thank you. And she's been a supporter for like years, like a long time. So thank you very much for your lovely support. Thank you. It's your episode is now the one with the banjo and continued quarantine. So I hope you're happy with that. I hope you're fucking happy, to be honest. (laughs) You deserve it. We're thinking of you. (laughs) Anyway, so that's all I've got. I mean, I think think, uh, I'm ready to hear something spooky. Okay, good. Well. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? Maybe your child is too shy to ask questions in front of the entire class, but they can get extra help and positive feedback with IXL Learning. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. This program will improve your kids' grades. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. And one subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make, and a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Additionally, IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And then that's why we drink listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash drink. Visit IXL.com slash drink to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month they deliver toys and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. At Bark, they send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's their fun plush toys from BarkBox or their ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, they give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, they'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com drink. That's right, you can sign up now at BarkBox.com drink for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. This one um, is a curious one because so I've had people suggest it in the past, but I have had that issue where um, a lot of times if someone suggests a story, I'll look into it every time. But a lot of times there just isn't a lot of information on it. And so um, it's hard to create an entire story out of it. So I tried my darndest and I realized that there was actually a confusion with this one because there are two different stories under the same name. Oh. So that being said, this is the stories. These are the stories. Dun dun. Of uh, the Thornton Heath poltergeist. Oh, poltergeist. Yes. That's exciting. 
here's what's interesting about one of them, which this this is going to be the second story, but I'll get to. Okay. But it's actually like, I want to believe that it's a real story and it must have been a real story because there's a lot of articles on it, but nobody knows the family's name. Oh, that like went through this. So all of the stories are very much like the husband and then the wife and then the son, but there were no names. It felt very, uh, is there like a last name at least? No, nothing. Oh, okay. That's very weird. Yeah. It kind of takes away its credibility in my mind, but anyway, bit, we're going to do it anyway. Not anymore. We're going to pretend. Exactly. It reminds me, there wasn't there like some indie movie a while ago where everyone was literally just named like mother, father, son, daughter. Oh, I mean, probably. It sounds like it would be an indie movie, but I definitely don't know it off the top okay, of my head. Then never mind. Forget I said anything. Um, <laughs> no, you're probably right. I, I fully believe you. Okay. Well, I believe me too, always, in everything I say. <laughs> also, I don't have the coronavirus. I'm clearing my throat because I had some dairy. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> Oh my god, haven't you learned? <laughs> I have, and then I said, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's like, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? I'll still be stuck in this house for a week. Okay. So um Thornton Thornton Heath is apparently an area in Croydon, which is in South London. Okay. And it's an area that has been inhabited since the sixth century, which we both know my brain can't process. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So like I said, there's two different stories that are considered the Thornton Heath poltergeist because one of them happened in the 30s and one of them happened in the 70s. Oh. Both in the same area. I don't think they were in the same house, though. I think they were just in the same area. I think here's the thing that's really tripping me out. Like I tried to like go back and like figure it out. But I think in the first one, the actual Thornton Heath, like the person that the town was named after is in this story. And then Thornton Heath, the, lo- the location is the 70s poltergeist. Oh, so you're saying Thornton Heath is a name? Like, I think Thornton Heath was a person because in the 1930s, in that version, it's about a, uh, a woman named Mrs. Forbes. And apparently she was the mistress of Thornton Heath. Oh, that's weird. Well, because in, in the 30s, like land, like it's like part of a, do you know what I mean? I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but maybe it was a, or like the only mistress in Thornton Heath. I don't, or that, right. It's the town's all the, mistress. All the information <laughs> is just so kind of choppy. And like, I, I did look through it to try to figure it out and it's all very kind of gray. So maybe if someone who is from that area knows the story better, if they want to like tweet at us or something, that'd be great. But my understanding is that either Mrs. Forbes was the Thornton Heath's mistress or she happened to be like the town mistress <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay either one works i mean you're probably right it makes more sense that it would be the mistress of a person but hey i don't judge that's what i think i mean Ms. forbes was having a great time in 1938 that's all i gotta say so i think that's all we need to focus on really <laughs> she was she was with somebody i just don't know how many of them she was mistressing around somewhere with someone. <laughs> all we know is that mrs forbes existed in this area in the 30s got it so she uh, lived in the house when she lived in the house, uh, presumably with Thornton Heath. Um, this was when the activity was actually the worst in the house and the activity always seemed to center around her. So um, she was apparently choked by an invisible spirit with a necklace that left burn marks on her. Oh, dear. Um, at one point, she was clawed by what she claims to be a phantom tiger. Oh, 
um, which actually left welts on her arm. Wait, side note. She... I'm so sorry. This just reminded me because people keep tweeting about it. Have you watched Tiger King? Okay, I was going to ask you earlier if you had started it yet. I have not, but I feel like what I've seen from tweets, I kind of already know how the entire thing goes. It's so good. And I've not not covered um, Joe Exotic because I was actually going to cover him in Florida when we were there. And there was too much stuff about like, he used to like feed kittens to the alligators or whatever. I don't know. It's something disturbing that came across my page and I was like, nope. And then they did a podcast. Somebody did a podcast about it. And Eva said like, Hey, maybe don't listen to it. And I went, okay, got it. But the show is like unbelievably good. And like, so. Oh, wow. Did they not, did they not mention the cats in it? Like the kittens? I haven't seen anything about that. And I don't know if maybe I just misunderstood because it doesn't seem like that's even what, the story is i think mm. i just misunderstood maybe something i read okay but i will say um it is a bananas show and i love it i've been told that the girl carol or caroline or something i i should just be under the impression that she murdered her husband yep. and i've learned <laughs> and uh, twitter has told me that lisa kudrow her entire career has been just one big audition for that part oh my point. god That's... i didn't even think of that That's amazing those are the things i've learned from twitter so far so, it's a um, very good show. Anyway, sorry. I just heard you say Tiger and I, everyone's been tweeting about it. So I wanted to gotcha. make a formal announcement that yes, I've watched it and I love it. I will watch it and I'm sure I will love it. Um, I, I love anything creepy kind of culty. Um, yep. So yes, she was allegedly clawed by what she calls a phantom tiger mm-hmm. um, and a left welts on her arm. Uh, she claimed that a, a phantom vampire showed up in her room one night and tried to bite her and she did have two puncture marks later on her neck. Ooh. Um, and apparently the there would be like dishes and vases and other items in the house would fling around the ha- around um around the house like they would just like lift off tables and fly across the room just like fling around just fling around just like she was doing am i right just like she was doing like look everyone in thornton heath and every item it's kind of like the br guest like music video but everyone's <laughs> oh, sleeping <God>. together <laughs> flinging around just everyone's right. flinging around um so, and objects, this was the most uh, notorious thing, was that um, objects would just show up out of nowhere in her hands. Oh, what? That's yeah. cool. And weird. So, apparently this is not the actual Thornton Heath poltergeist, but a lot of people mistake this case for that. Um, what she's actually known for, what Miss Forbes' story is known for, is that she was actually investigated because of this by uh, Nandur Fodor. Nandur Fodor. Um who was a protege of Sigmund Freud and he was a really respected psychoanalyst and paranormal scholar. And so he heard what was going on and said, how about we bring you to my lab and you stay overnight a few times for observation. Okay. Bring you to my lab. Oh dear God. (laughs) If anyone says that to you folks say, no, thank you. (laughs) Who do you think you are? Nandu or Fodor? Yeah. I only go to Nandor's lab. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm now flinging around here. <laughs> me and me and the the clock and the lamp. We're not we're not doing stuff together. <laughs> Don't you dare. So uh, she started staying at the lab, and uh, there were prego- there were precautions taken to make sure that she wasn't you know doing anything that would cause these apparitions or anything. Mm. So she was undressed often for body checks, and she wore special clothes for easy viewing of any tricks up her sleeve. But still, the objects would suddenly appear in her hand or inside a box during one experiment. And despite the evidence, um, Fodor was 
like not convinced. He definitely believed that she was not possessed, but took a instead he took a psychological approach and he actually fun fact was credited with coining the phrase parapsychosis. Oh, okay. But so he watched her enough and just kind of came to the conclusion that he thought Mrs. Forbes was repressing old trauma um, with a combination of generally being probably mentally unstable and she had some basic knowledge of sleight of hand magic. So all three of those combined, it was more like she was either putting on some sort of self-punishing show. So she appeared to um, like choke herself with um, like with her own hands, but she would say that something else was pressing her hands into her neck. Houdini and, would have a field day with this. Oh, Houdini and Fodor, at, I'm sure, must have crossed paths at some point. <laughs> so Fodor, Fodor uh, again, saw this as self-punishment and probably wishing the death of her attackers and like projecting it onto herself. And uh, he later also discovered that there actually was repressed trauma. And uh, he also hypothesized that maybe it was either a schizophrenic episode or maybe um, according to some of her doctors, she did show signs of DID um, dissociative identity disorder because she Mm. hallucinated a lot. She heard a lot of voices. She would lose time, like large chunks of time. And she had like lapsed consciousness. Mm. So that all ended up actually like his opinion of it ended up being confirmed later, especially when objects were still showing up out of nowhere on her body. And so he ordered an X-ray and found out that she was actually hiding small um, objects under her boobs. Oh. And so she was, like, lifting them up and hiding things, like, wedging them (laughs) underneath her breasts. And she was hiding things up inside of herself. Oh, dear. And That's not hygienic. No. And she would distract people by being, quote, attacked, and then when they weren't looking, she would pull them out from under her dress. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So he was right in that all of this was a show and she wasn't being possessed. She was just doing some sort of sleight of hand. And um, he did not get a good cre- a good street cred from the spiritualists, obviously, mm. because they wanted to believe that something out of this world might be happening to Mrs. Forbes. And because he was very um, stringent on using the scientific method and debunking, the spiritualists did not like him and got to a point where Fodor even had had to uh sue for libel a few times because his reputation was being tarnished um because they were making up some really terrible stuff about him and he was like i'm just being a fucking scientist (laughs) in my laboratory (laughs) uh, leave me alone (laughs) and so now he's actually um well known for his contributions to parapsychology and paranormal investigations fun fact wow but um a lot of people like i said claim that this is the thornton heath poltergeist even though there was really no poltergeist involved it was just a woman claiming she was possessed and it was more of a psychology study than anything else okay um so the actual thornton heath poltergeist is this case in the 70s where the family is unknown the name is unknown but uh this was this happened the year before i think the enfield poltergeist happened or it happened a year before amityville and then a couple years before the enfield poltergeist so this was right in the beginning of like and Lorraine Warren like really doing a lot of cool stuff yeah so this was on the up and up uh so the poltergeist was apparently in a house with a husband wife and son and that's what we're gonna call them for the rest of the story oh right like your indie movie right exactly like the Duke or whatever um so <laughs> is that the one it was no but I, oh, I was like, I didn't, didn't see that movie, but I always think of that movie as like, they might as well have not given anyone names. Everyone had like such a specific role. Might as well just call them that. Right. So um, 
August 1970. It starts pretty abruptly because in the middle of the night, the family wakes up to a radio in their house on full blast on a station in another language. Okay. And all of them said that they had never, you know, turned that station on. They don't listen to that station. It was very weird for it to have, for the um, dial to have been on that station. The husband unplugged the radio and they went back to bed and thought nothing of it. And then a little bit later, there were multiple incidents that started happening that were initially dis- dismissed as a coincidence or, you know, oh, it's the wind or something like that. Right. Um, but as time goes on, the incidents start occurring much more intensely and much more frequently. So, for example, the lampshade would remove itself off of the lamp and throw itself across the room. There were a lot of bangs and footsteps from upstairs. Um, portraits would just lift themselves off their hooks and fly across the rooms, or they would just fall straight down off the wall. So, which means they would have to be lifted up to then drop. Got it. Um, plates and glasses would fly out of the cabinets, or they would get thrown at people. I'm sorry, and... I think you mean fling. Oh, yes, fling, yes. They would just Mrs. Forbes around the room, if you will. <laughs> Thank you, as a verb, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they would just Lumiere everywhere. <laughs> So December 1972, the family is together in the parlor, as you are, and the husband was standing in the room, Mm. and all of a sudden, an item from their cabinet flew across the room and hit him in the head so hard that it knocked him over into a chair. Oh, God. Like something was like, sit down, I guess. Um, Sit down, bud. Let me smash you in the face. (laughs) Um, So that was one thing that they remember most is that he got like hit so hard he ended up falling um also the christmas tree lifted off the floor that month and began to violently shake Uh and ornaments started flying off the trees and shattering for no reason at all in january so a month later the family starts hearing voices coming from empty rooms whether they're screams or cries or conversations they'd go up there and there's nothing going on there were also um, bangs in rooms that sounded like furniture was just being tossed across the room. Like the entire place sounded like it was getting totally disheveled and nothing would have changed when they checked on it. Oh, ew. Apparently at one point, the son started saying that a man dressed in old-fashioned clothes was standing at the foot of his bed and staring at him with an evil look. Goodbye. And apparently the son started hiding under the bed until the morning, which I never understood from the viewpoint of like in that exact moment, how do you see something staring at you and then like get out of bed get to awkwardly bed. <laughs> like awkwardly climb under the bed knowing they're watching you the whole time? Like what are you doing? Right, like, like under the covers I can understand. Under right. Like you can also quite... kind of like you can subtly tuck yourself in like, oh, they don't know that I can see them, but I'm uh-huh. hiding myself. If you but, like, like slither yourself off the bed, like they don't know I can see them. <laughs> Like, also, like, I don't know if you've ever seen me crawl under a bed, but it's not pretty. Like, it's clunky. <laughs> like, I bet it's every- beautiful. Everyone, like, there's no grace to it. Like, everyone knows <laughs> I'm very intentionally trying to get under the bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no hiding what's happening there. I see. Right. And then the whole time he's just standing there watching you. Okay. So, anyway, oh, God. the sun started hiding under the bed until morning. And then the voices and the footsteps and the weird bangs all continued until later that year when the family had friends over for dinner. And while they were eating, a the loudest bang that they'd heard so far comes from the front door and the whole door starts shaking violently. Oh. And everyone gets up from the table to see what it was. And they see the door slam open all over again by itself. So it had slammed shut. Then they get up to see and the door slams itself open. 
and all the lights go out at once and then all the lights start flickering on and off throughout the house by themselves. Mm-mm. The next day, the family has a priest come over to bless the house, but apparently the priest didn't do a good enough job and it pissed off whatever was living there. Oh, no. And the family starts experiencing furious banging on the walls, loud crashes from empty rooms, and the apparition of the man in old-fashioned clothes is now following everybody. Oh, good. So he's just, like, awake now. Yes. He's like, oh, I'm here full-time. Oh, no. Uh, So later that year, the family contacts a medium who immediately senses uh, two spirits in the house. They are 18th century, uh, a farmer and wife, and... Again, this was kind of confusing. I don't know if their last name was the Chattertons or if the farmer's first name was Chatterton. Um, <laughs> because a few times name. they... I don't think it is either, but some uh, some of the articles I saw... Yes, I hope it is. I mean, I don't know either way, but I hope it is. Chatterton should be my fucking name. Chatty Chatterton. What I call you. Um, but so some of the articles did say like Chatterton's wife, but they didn't mean it like Mr. Chatterton's wife. They would just say like, oh, Chatterton and his wife. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's probably like, you know how people in articles use like last names? Yeah, maybe it's just a last like name. Smith and his wife. Anyway, I, I wrote in my uh, notes that they their last name is probably Chatterton, but it was kind of misleading in some of the articles. But uh, so the, the two spirits that the medium felt were an 18th century farmer and wife, and they were connected to the, the name Chatterton. And the spirits of apparently viewed the family as invaders of their home and wanted to get the family out. and the medium attempted to remove the entities but they refused to leave or cross over and so the medium apparently was just like "Mm, bye like (laughs) guess it's not working (laughs) and after this the wife regularly started feeling like she was being followed this time by a woman so now the the woman spirit is also here oh shit miss chatterton (laughs) mrs chatterton and uh, that's us, the Mr. and Mrs. Chattertons. Okay, wait, I actually fully enjoy that. Wait, can we do the, the, that that farmer painting with the yep. with the pitchfork and just call ourselves the Chattertons? Yeah, we can stand in front of people's beds at night while they sleep. Wait a minute. That's the one. I love it. If, if there's anyone out there listening that are artists and you're bored during the quarantine, please put my face and Christine's face on that like famous <laughs> farmer and wife painting and call us the Chattertons. I love it. Um, so the medium leaves. The wife is now being followed by a female spirit in a pinafore with gray hair and a bun behind her. Oh my. And uh, every time she turns around, this woman just following her. Super creepy. Yep. So now it's 1974. The family consults a historian and they find out that there actually was a farmer and his wife with the name Chatterton that lived on the site during the 18th century. So that checked out. Oh, no. The family continues to be tormented by the Chattertons. And one, <laughs> one night it gets so bad and the Chattertons get so comfortable and so powerful, I'd say, that it's gotten to a point where when the family is watching TV, Mr. Chatterton would materialize onto the screen, into the TV shows with the other characters. Oh my god! This is you and me inserting ourselves <laughs> into scenarios we're not welcome. That's literally in. me being like, look, I'm in Bob's Burgers now. <laughs> you know we would do that after we die. But so they, would, they, I guess, had seen pictures when they talked to the historian. They knew what Mr. Chatterton looked like. That's terrifying. And he was also following them and staring at them from the foot of their bed. So they knew what he looked like. And oh. he was now showing up in their shows, always wearing a black jacket and a black neck cravat. That's got to be a new one, right? Like, I've never heard that. I've That's definitely a new one for me. I've never heard spirits being able to do that. That's insane. I've heard them, like, being able to, like, obviously, like, manipulate electronics, but not right. insert themselves. I love it. 
Especially because they probably didn't have TV when they were alive. So they're probably like, what's this cool box? Oh, yeah. And now it makes me think like every time I was watching TV at 3 a.m., what was really there? No. Uh, um, Never mind. George Lopez. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Actually, if you watch it like at any other time besides 3 a.m., there's nobody on the trampoline. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, um, Lord. So anyway, he started showing up in their TV shows. And by then, the family just gave up. They had already talked to a priest. They'd already talked to a medium. Um, and they just moved out. And the haunting stopped. And apparently, no other reports from that location have been uh, have been reported. So that is the story of the actual Thornton Heath poltergeist. But there are some other ghosts in the area um, that are apparently pretty famous. So one of them is... Um, apparently Elizabeth the first, one of her like maidens, uh, died by suicide in the old palace after having a baby out of wedlock. Oh, wow. I think it was a maiden in training or something like that. And the building actually used to be the original manor of the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh. So there were also many exorcisms that had happened there before the suicide. But this woman is also still seen as a distressed woman crying and wringing her hands at the top of the staircase. And she used to be seen um, just just crying, Aww. just like in total despair. But I guess that building has been demolished recently. So people haven't seen her since. Oh, God, where'd she go? Oh, no. Uh, she's just flinging herself around. She's in the TV now. <laughs> she's in the TV. She's on the trampoline with George Lopez. <laughs> Talk about so- flinging yourself around. <laughs> this is the dumbest show ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> So uh, there's also the former Croydon Airport. There was a um, a Dutch pilot during World War II who died there. Apparently, the airport has actually been around since 1915, and it was heavily bombed during the war. And so um, the pilot's aircraft during World War II, it crashed in um, a bout of fog. And two weeks after his death, another pilot who was plotting his course, um, it was like clear skies and really pretty outside, but he still heard a voice behind him say, you can't take off today. The weather is just the same as when I did. <gasps> and he turned around and saw a pilot there. And just a few hours later, a thick fog came over on the airfields where had he um, finished plotting his course, he would have absolutely been in that fog. Goose cam, dude. Yeah. So one of the spirits came back to tell him. Holy shit. Not. Well, that was thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, at the very least, you're going to be a helpful ghost. Well, yeah. There's also... A house built on top of an original home that was bombed uh, during this time. And I guess when it was bombed, there were two children uh, that lived there. And so the two children died. But a a woman recently moved in and she started seeing children sitting at the top of the stairs and vanishing. And when she she looked it up later, apparently that was the exact spot where they had died. (gasps) Oh, God. So those are a few of the other ghosts of Croydon. But... Anyway, that is the Thornton Heath poltergeist. Holy shit, that was quite. What did you call it earlier? Uh, Hot, cur- curious. I don't know what I. Curious. That's what you said. It was something. That was curious indeed. How curious. Anyway, yes. Curious. <laughs> oh my, that was creepy. The kids on the stairs. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> you are telling me. That's fair. Okay, you're right. I just like if I. I always say I want to live in a haunted house, but like probably i don't i don't know why <laughs> i say that i'm like oh it'd be cool i don't know i always think because because my i always hope my one chance is it's going to be casper i always think oh if i end up in a haunted house then absolutely it's going to be the best ghost in the world but like what are my what's my probability of that i mean i did get walt so i feel like i've probably used up all my goodwill on on the ghost front because walt's pretty chill 
as yeah, as long as he I've I've said before, I don't care who is who like decides to reside in my home as long as they don't touch me or my belongings. I don't care. I mean, I did give Walt permission to touch my bin, but that's about as far as we've gone, I think. I have. So actually I do want to give a a haunting update that. um, So we definitely do have something here um, in this apartment and it's definitely male. I've always known it's male. I've always known it doesn't necessarily. I think if I ever like let myself think about it or gave it more energy, it would be a little more powerful. Great. But there's definitely something. Maybe now that you're recording from your house instead of mine. Maybe now that I'm opening up to like the world Uh I'm a part of, but, um, I definitely feel something linger around, especially in um, my bedroom. And I'm the only one that's ever awake at 3 a.m. But I feel something a lot. And I'll usually just like just say out loud, no, thank you. Like go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) I will not go to your laboratory. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, and it also it usually works. But I think it's kind of one of those things like how everyone on TikTok is letting us like showing all their videos of their cats who like fucking hate that their owners are home now from oh, for the God. Yeah. I think this ghost is like, why is everyone always here now? Oh it's, yeah. It's start it's like my cat kind of. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh so in the middle of the night now I've been hearing someone tapping on our nights on our night tables. Okay. Well I don't like that. And for a couple nights in not in a row, but a few times now, like with a couple days in between where nothing happens, but I heard it a couple nights ago where it was definitely on Allison's night table and I was listening to it and I was like on my phone, but consciously I was like, am I really hearing that? Uh Like, I'm just going to keep listening out. And it was clearly like a finger tapping on the table. And then as I was thinking about it, I remember thinking, at least it's on Allison's side. And then it started happening on the night table next to me. Are you serious? Yeah, and I literally just whispered, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> At least you're polite. I was like, please go away. Like, I don't, you can be somewhere in the room that's not directly next to my fucking face. Oh, my God. I mean, I think being polite is good. Like, it's the way I talk to my A-L-E-X-A. I don't want uh-huh. because I'm like, you never know. Like, I'm going to be nice to really? just in case it maybe gets some sort of, like, human power and like takes over. I <laughs> in case it ever becomes smart house yeah be, it's, right exactly and be like hey she was always pretty polite right let's not murder her right away exactly um so yeah i i think that's probably the best move um rather than the zb method you know what uh, I, mean. I see yes exactly <laughs> um okay well i guess i shall tell my story then yes You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast-branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? 
We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm excited about this one. Uh, This is uh, which probably sounds fucked up, but it's just because I have wanted to tell this for a long time. Sure. Um, this is a story of the murder of Lindsay Buziak. Huh. Okay. I have I don't think I've, I don't think I know this one. It's one that um, I've heard, I had heard of for a long time and then like started listening more about and watching shows about. Um, but so the person, so this was one of my uh, close friend requests for stories and um this is from Lonely Pluto 08. Okay. I hope you're not too lonely right now, Pluto. Oh, no. Um, during this quarantine situation. Um, but thank you for the subject. Yeah. So I listened to, um, let's see, Morbid, Crime Junkie, and Case File on this topic. And uh, they all had really good episodes on it. And I'm just going to make my own now. So here we go. All right. This is the story of Lindsay Buziak. She was born November 2nd, 1983, and lived in Vancouver, British Columbia, for M. Okay. She's a, she's a Scorpio, but she's also a Canadian, so it, it breaks even. That is a good point. Mm-hmm. You have to get out your, like, pie chart or however you um, reference these yes. statistics. A bar graph, maybe. A bar graph, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She was uh, a realtor with Remax, and actually her dad was also a realtor, and um, she was, like, very ambitious, was pretty young, but was, like, kind of rising quickly to the top, and um, her dad, like I said, was a realtor as well, and um, she actually had a serious boyfriend uh, that she began dating around 2006, and he, his name was Jason Zalo, and he was also a realtor. So she was just, like, surrounded by people in uh, real estate. And uh, so 
Jason, he was a realtor, but he was a f- member of a family that was like very prominent in the real estate business in the area. So like she was kind of uh, dating into this like very successful real estate family. And his mom, Shirley, was also extremely successful in real estate and was also very involved in the couple's life uh, for better, for worse. Um, they actually moved into a condo that she owned and like some sources that I've heard say that she kind of controlled people with money. Like, so she would say, oh, you're living in my really nice condo and then use that as leverage almost, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she was considered pretty controlling. And Lindsay had told friends, like, after she started dating Jason for a while, she kind of realized Jason was also a bit controlling. Oh, okay. So she was like, they kind of, um, they were kind of getting on her nerves and were like a little too controlling for her liking but she was making it work. So in late January, 2008, uh, Lindsay received a phone call on her personal cell. And the caller was a woman who was urgently looking for a home for her and her husband in the million dollar range. Okay. And she said, we're only in town for three days next week. We'd love to make a purchase uh, within that time frame. So we're, we want a million dollar house and we want to buy it next week in this three day time period. Okay. No pressure. And s- I know. And so she was like, holy shit, like this is a huge deal. Like a million dollar commission is, you know, really big for her, especially because she's like pretty new and pretty young. And she did say something about the phone call was a little bit off. So she said the woman had a strange accent and she called it Spanish, but not. Okay. So whatever that means. Um, She believed actually, she said later to Jason and her friends that the accent almost sounded fake, like as if someone was trying to fake an accent and huh. just couldn't get it right. Okay. Um, so then obviously she's like, whoa, holy shit, like a, a million dollar deal or a million dollar house um, that they are committed to buying. Like that's the best possible scenario because they're not going to flake out. They're not going to take their sweet time. Like right. she's going to get this million dollar commission next week. So she's really excited, but at the same time kind of like weirded out. So she says, how did you get my cell phone number? And um, because she was still a junior employee at Remax. And the woman says, oh, a former client of yours gave it to me. Okay. She's like, okay, who's the client? And this woman actually says one of Lindsay's previous clients. So she's like, I mean, all right. If this person like really, you know, enjoyed working with me and passed my name along, that's great. So she calls the former client after this to thank thank the woman and say like, hey, thanks for referring me. Um, And just to double check, but the client, unfortunately, is out of town. So she's unable to reach her and confirm the story. Classic. Okay. Classic. I know. Just like series of unfortunate events. (laughs) Um, So according to her father, Jeff Buziak, Lindsay was like pretty rattled by this call. She just said something was off. The person seemed strange. Like it seemed like a fake accent. Um, Very out of the blue, like that this person would just call herself. And so she tells Jason and her dad, who are both like, okay, yeah, like, we get why you're a little wary, but also, you know, this take advantage of this, this might be like a huge career boost for you. Uh, You can't really turn down a million dollar deal. And she's like, yeah, I can't say no to this. So she decides to set a viewing of a home that she finds for them at um, 5.30pm on February 2nd, 2008. Um, So she finds this little house on this little cul-de-sac called D'Souza Place. She calls the client back to make the appointment. They're like, perfect. We're down. Um, Gives the address. And then she says to Jason, like, hey, do you mind coming with me just in case? And he's like, of course, I'll wait outside in my car. So if anything goes wrong, just like text me or call me. Yeah. And I'll be there in case something happens. Checks out. 
checks out. So she feels much more comfort. She feels comforted that like someone will be outside for mm-hmm. like in case something happens. So February 2nd, 2008 rolls around and um, she and Jason go for a late lunch at a restaurant called Sauce, oh. which sounds to me like um, one of Stefan's restaurants in or bars in um, Saturday Night Live. But <laughs> it's very saucy. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so they go to sauce and pay the bill at 424. They leave the restaurant in separate cars and they plan to meet up at the showing at 530 with him outside in his car and she would pull up and do the showing herself. So Lindsay's believed to have gone home on the way to change her clothes for the showing. And Jason, meanwhile, drives over to an auto body shop to give a colleague a ride. And he invites this guy to lunch and the guy's like, okay, sure. And he's shown on security footage arriving to the auto body shop at 429 PM. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Lindsay is uh, going to this new high-end development on this cul-de-sac. Um, there are a lot of homes still under construction, but it is like, you know, a livable street. There are people living um, in some of the houses surrounding driving through that kind of thing. There were some workers who were uh, working on construction and they, uh, they saw her arrive. They left around 5 PM. Two witnesses saw a, uh, a couple walk down the cul-de-sac approximately 5.30. The woman is described as a blonde with chin-to-shoulder length hair between the ages of 35 to 40 and wearing a distinctive pattern designer dress. Okay. And, like, they actually later posted photos of this dress. Um, and it's, like, this hot pink situation. Okay, got no, it. No comment. Um, there have been... She could have been, like, Mrs. Forbes, maybe, just, like, <laughs> oh flinging around. <laughs> Around. You never also, know. by the way, we, we are also not we are not slutting at all. Oh, we are no. body positivity. Absolutely. Do whatever you want, Mrs. Forbes. I love it. It just sounds like Mrs. Forbes and her might have shared the same closet. Is all. It was definitely a very like uh, flashy dress, if that makes sense. Like it had like um, I have a picture of it. Actually, I'm going to send you this picture real quick. You can tell me what you think. It oh, like yeah. has swirls down it. Um, and uh oh don't read see. the, oh, com- the caption i won't oh yeah I, this is exactly what i was expecting like a like a hot dress like a hot pants right? but i mean you go like girl but yeah exactly like i feel like someone would wear that with a blazer like to work in some flashy know, to- flashy is a very good way of putting it yes and it's like very distinctive like it has and they actually found the exact model of the dress and that's kind of how we know what it was because the witnesses gotcha. were like that's the exact one because it's a de- I guess it was a designer dress so it was like very specific. Um, so the man himself uh, was described as Caucasian, about six feet tall, with neat dark hair and wearing a uh, a hot dress. No, I'm just kidding. He was wearing <laughs> a a jacket. Got Ooh, it. Boring. Yep. Um, <laughs> he should have been. <laughs> Listen, if they really wanted to, you know, be a team, they could have like worn the exact same thing. I mean, that magenta, flattering color, gotta say. Uniform, yeah. Uniform, <laughs> uniform, yes, indeed. Um, so at this point, so witnesses see them walking down the street around 5.30. Jason calls Lindsay to inform her that he'll be about 15 minutes late. She's like, that's fine, um, but I have to go. The clients are here. So the same two witnesses who had seen the couple walking down the street see them approach Lindsay in the driveway, and they appear to shake hands as if meeting for the first time. Okay. Um, this is where nosy neighbors come in handy, I guess. They're Thank like, God. Oh, yeah. then they shook hands. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like it's like rare that those are important, uh, you know. Like you're lucky to have them. Exactly. And they were probably so proud to give away their Snoopy information. Yes. Um, so I can imagine the the 
them describing the dress like oh you should have seen her dress it was this hot pink I number know. <laughs> <laughs> um so okay so she says clients are here the witnesses see them uh shaking hands in the driveway there are a pile of papers on the trunk of Lindsay's car it looks like they're meeting for the first time and then the real estate lockbox on the door of the house is accessed at 529 so right on time for the showing Jason is seen on camera leaving the auto body shop with his colleague at 5.30. And the witnesses see Lindsay and her clients enter the house pretty much at that exact time. Okay. At 5.38, so it's about eight minutes later, Jason sends Lindsay a text just a couple minutes away. And she never opens the text. Mm -hmm. So he and his colleague arrive at 5.45. Um, and the showing was at 5.30, so they're like pretty good on time. Um, they arrive at 5.45. And Jason says he sees a man and a woman exit the front door, kind of look at him in his car, turn around and walk back into the house. And he's like, that's strange. But I like he's just assuming the showing is still going on. And they're, I don't know, checking out the front. Right. And going back inside. Who knows? Um, but he just assumes this couple is still like seeing the house. So he waits uh, for a few more minutes in the car. And about 20 minutes later, he's starting to wonder, like, where the hell is, is she? And uh, he texts her, are you okay? Because he also knows she was worried about this showing and like right. was feeling uneasy. And so he was like, let me make sure everything's fine. He texts her, are you okay? So he gets no response to that text and he starts to grow a little concerned. Excuse me. Sorry. I drink a soda. And so now I'm like, I have all this carbonation. You're a little <laughs> gassy. I'm a little gassy. And I don't <laughs> usually drink soda. Uh, quite a feeling for my chest. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting the thing that we were talking about of like, I'm finally getting acid reflux. I'm like becoming an old person, you know? Yes. Welcome to, uh, welcome to hell. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay. Anyway. So, um, he and his colleague or so he tells his colleague like, Hey, I'm getting nervous. Like she's not answering my text. Let's go like look inside and make sure everything's fine. And he also didn't want to be like a nosy boyfriend and like burst in during a showing. Right. Because like she's a professional and she's working. And he's like, I'm not just going to like barge into the house and be like, right. what are you doing? So he's like, hesitantly, you know, let's go take a look. So he looks through the window and he sees Lindsay's shoes in the, is it foyer? Foyer? I don't, I say foyer. I don't know if there's, if foyer is. That's how I say it. I want to get made fun of, you know. I'd say foyer. Like vase. So he sees her shoes in the foyer, but no sign of her. And like, it's normal to take your shoes off in a house showing. So it's not that weird, um, but he doesn't see Lindsay. So a couple minutes later, he's like, I'm going to call the police just to say like, hey, something's up. I can't get a hold of my girlfriend. Like, he's just nervous. Yeah. So he calls 911, gives them the address. And then he says, hey, I'm the door's locked. Everything's locked. But I'm going to try to find a way into this house. Just so you know, I'm going to try to break in. Yeah. So he hangs up. And his uh, colleague finds like a break in the fence to the backyard and they find um, they're able to get in through the patio doors. So uh, let's see. Jason boosts the colleague over the patio fence. He unlocks the door and they go inside. So they are walking around. They don't really see anything. He's calling out for Lindsay. Nobody's responding. So now he's getting actually really nervous. He walks upstairs and they discover Lindsay's body in a pool of blood in the master bedroom. Oh, no. This is at 6, 11 p.m. So Jason calls 911 immediately again. And thankfully, he had already called them. So they were already on the way. And so um, they hear the sirens pretty quickly after calling. Um, and so they they are upstairs in the window, like screaming for, you know, ambulance police to come. And uh, the police go inside, discover Lindsay's body obviously take um, Jason and his colleague into custody. 
Unfortunately, paramedics declare Lindsay dead. Um, and they determined later that Lindsay had been murdered between nine, nine and 11 minutes after entering the house. Wow. In the master bath. Ba- oh, sorry. In front of the master bathroom, but in the bedroom. Um, she had been stabbed from behind. And so like it was sort of a surprise attack from what they could tell. Wow. And she had been stabbed um, in her neck, chest, and face about 40 times. <gasps> Holy shit. Yeah. It's really, really bad. Um, and there were no defensive wounds, again, so leading them to believe this was probably like a surprise attack. Right. Um, now, this is what's really creepy. Well, there's two creepy things. First one is she had recently gotten a breast enhancement, and uh, those were targeted by this person stabbing her. Oh, no. So I don't know how that would have man- how that would manifest in a murder, but apparently the killer uh, targeted her breast enhancements. Um, the other eerie thing is that while she was being killed, her BlackBerry had pocket dialed out a number, and um, so that call was actually registered as she was being killed. Oh no! So this is just all obviously bonkers. Um, and so they immediately get to work on this case. Jason and his colleague are cleared pretty quickly because um, they had the right timeline. There were alibis. They were caught on camera, you know, right. not there when this happened. Um, witness testimony, etc. For what it's worth, Jason passed a polygraph. He was um, deemed cooperative, but he didn't give a DNA sample. But that was the only thing he kind of held out on. Okay. But unfortunately, the scene held had like no physical evidence. So there were no fingerprints. There was no DNA left behind. Wow. Like pretty much nothing for them to go on. So basically what they thought was the killers were planning on leaving through the front door, but then were saw Jason and were spooked, went back inside and left through the back door. And that's why the patio doors were open. Okay. So they think that's why he had seen them exiting the front door and then turn back around and go inside and that she had already been dead at that point. Right. That makes sense. Um, They also believe because of that, that the killers parked their car on the main street or had a getaway car or something like that. Um, Not in the cul-de-sac because those witnesses earlier saw them walking down the street. um, Right. With no car. And uh, all the cars that were parked in the cul-de-sac were accounted for. So it didn't seem like they would have gotten away straight from a car in the cul-de-sac. Sure. So they traced the cell phone number that was used to call Lindsay. Now this is like sort of questionable, but in her um, planner, it's, they were listed as the Mexicans. And that is Yikes. a okay. fact of the case, <laughs> which they said in morbid too. They're like, don't yell at me. I'm just repeating a fact of the case. It's true. Right. Yikes. Okay, got it. Definitely not cool. But uh, so that's how she listed them. And that's how Jason knew like w- which number um, was theirs because that's how she was listed in. Uh, they were listed in her contacts. Right. So he's like, because of her, their weird phony accent, that's she just didn't. That's what she called them. She assumed it might have been like a Hispanic accent. Yes. Okay. She called it Spanish, but not whatever okay. that means. Um. So. It was purchased at a convenience store. So, they, they, okay. So they traced this number and it turns out the phone was a burner phone. Okay. And the phone was activated um, in 2008. It had been purchased in 2007 in Vancouver at a convenience store. And in um, January of 2008, so a couple months later, it was registered under the name Paulo Rodriguez. 
but this is believed to have been a fake name um, because it was linked to an address, but the address was a business that had nobody named Paulo Rodriguez. It just seems like they had made up some information okay. to activate the phone um, at random. So the cell phone um, traveled to Vancouver Island 24 hours before Lindsay's murder, and it was only ever used to call Lindsay. Interesting. So it sounds like it's like this was wildly strategically planned specifically for Lindsay. So that's one of the theories. I will tell you another theory that will make more sense later okay. um, about why why it might have been around for so long before being used to call her. Okay. Um, but so at this point, uh, the phone was obviously destroyed, so they had no way to um, track it. Um, and due to the so due to the lack of evidence, some people believe the murder was a professional hit um, because the scene of the crime was so clean. There was not one bit of DNA. You know, they, there was no way to trace whoever this was. But at the same time, um, you know, she was stabbed 40 times in the face and the neck. That doesn't seem very. Right. It was clearly personal. Yeah, it seemed very personal um, and almost amateurish to be stabbing someone that many times if you don't need to be. Like either right. you don't, if you don't want to really have them like in pain. Or, right. Or if you're like bad at killing someone, you don't know exactly where to stab them and you just keep right. doing it because you're not sure how to like kill someone quickly. Right. That's exactly so right. it's unclear. I mean, police think that because of the number of stab wounds and um, their familiarity with like her Remax office and like her previous clients that this could be personal um, mm. but at the same time, obviously it was very well executed in that they couldn't be traced and they seemed to be strangers from what anyone could tell. Right. So now the biggest connection that I think probably makes the most sense as to like what actually happened is that 11 days prior to Lindsay's murder, um, the largest drug bust in Alberta's history took place oh. and it was a sting into the cocaine trade, um, in Alberta. And one of Lindsay's friends who was actually a person who was a he was arrested during the drug bust and she he was her friend from before but at the same time like um so they were kind of acquaintances and they weren't that close anymore but weirdly enough when they went through her phone records she had actually called him a few weeks before her murder okay so it's a little weird i mean they were acquaintances before but they hadn't spoken in a long time, seemingly. And right. so it was a little strange that she had called him a few weeks before this drug bust and before her murder. Right, right, right. But um, who knows? And so some people... Just a weird coincidence, maybe? Could be a very weird coincidence. Um, but nobody, also nobody knows why she called him. There's no clear like reason why she would have called him. Um, she was not into drugs. She didn't do drugs. She had never had any sort of connection to drugs, not even recreationally. Um, so that didn't seem to fit. Um, some people thought maybe she was an informant to the police and that's why she got wrapped up in this, hmm. but the police were pretty quickly able to debunk this. She was not the informant. They made that very clear. Again, she was not involved at all with this group of people or with drugs in general. And so now that theory, which I think makes some sort of sense, at least, is that maybe either Lindsay was mistaken for an informant, maybe because she had reached out to this person. Oh, um, and or and killed by the cartel, or maybe um, the real informant directed the cartel to Lindsay to save their own life. So I see. You know, someone might have used her as kind of a scapegoat. So she could have just truly just like been thinking of her friend and called the catch up, and then 
when this drug bust happened, they just like saw her name and used it. Right. Like exactly. Like maybe there was some to cover themselves up. Right. Or like maybe they actually believed she had something to do with it. Or like you said, maybe they were using her as a scapegoat or cover up. Um, so that's a possibility, which I, I think makes sense. I mean, it's pretty wild if you think about all the connections that would have to happen. Right. But also this is like pretty wild to be murdered by strangers in a show house. So. Right. Yeah. Who knows? So uh, this is kind of a creepy um, theory, but the fact is that Jason and his mother, Shirley, uh, have also faced accusations and rumors. So Shirley Remember the mother-in-law who was kind of like right. controlling and what what have you? Yeah. So the the cul-de-sac that um that uh Lindsay was showing the house on uh was actually owned by this guy named Joe D'Souza who was uh involved in business with Shirley. So that was a weird connection. Um and D'Souza himself, who knew Shirley very well, was at the site near the crime scene an hour before her murder, but he had left. So I don't know if there's any connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason, uh, her boyfriend, had been acting a bit strangely, too. So remember when I said, like, he picked up a friend um, or a colleague and he was like, he picked him up and they were on camera together and then he brought right. the friend to the house. Yeah. So that friend, when they interviewed him, was like, you know, Jason and I aren't really good friends. We're like acquaintances. And I thought it was really weird that he asked me to go to lunch with him or to dinner with him. And actually, the friend politely declined having dinner with him. Oh. And Jason apparently insisted until the guy agreed. Interesting. So, like, like, like confirm an alibi. Yeah, so exactly. So that's kind of where people take that bit of information because the guy was like, it was so weird. He was, like, insistent that I go to dinner with him. And then we got in the car and he said, sorry, I have to check on my girlfriend at her showing real quick. And then they both drove there. So he was like, it was just very weird because we didn't know mm-hmm. her that well. And I thought it was odd that he was insisting on going to dinner that night. So it was a little bit strange. Right. Um, but Shirley and uh, D'Souza and Jason are all cleared. Um, so at this point, they're not considered real suspects. And then back to the drug bust thing. So it turns out Jason's phone had actually been previously tapped in relation to that drug bust. Huh. And um, he was also an acquaintance of um, one of the people arrested in that drug bust and so in the case file episode i listened to he kept saying like hey apparently in this area everyone's like one degree apart so it's it's not that weird that people might know somebody involved in this okay drug sting like it's just a small town right or yeah exactly or like there's i yeah i don't know i don't know huh okay i don't know how big vancouver is but um that's at least how it's been framed that like it's not super weird that they were acquaintances with someone right involved okay got it um but he did have um his phone had been tapped just in case you know he had something to do with it uh and he was an acquaintance of one of the accused people however neither he nor Lindsay were listed on the witness list uh during the trial and they were not listed anywhere in any sort of relation to the drug bust so it doesn't seem like that's at least from a police standpoint like a very real theory right okay um So as of this month, uh, March 2020, uh, the police department up there in Saanich is the name of the town. Oh, so maybe Saanich is a small town. I don't know much about Canada and how Canada (laughs) works. Sorry. Um, Saanich, I assume, is on Vancouver Island. I don't know. 
So Sanish PD has stated that the investigation is still active and still open. However, it does remain unsolved. Okay. Um, and then a creepy thing. This is like my quote unquote favorite part or like creepiest part. Sure. Is that um, so right after um, Lindsay's murder, a few days later, this other real estate agent in the area received a phone call from a woman with a strange accent. And the phone, the person on the phone said, I'd like you to sell my house for me. And this real estate agent was like, okay, um, sure. Like, what's your address? And then the person paused and said, actually, never mind, and hung up. What? And so she's like, that was strange. Yeah. And it turns out that this woman was actually Jason's ex girlfriend. <gasps> Interesting. So that is a weird connection. And she told police they were unable to trace this call. It was just like a random call that couldn't be traced. Um, and so then later that year, uh, one of Lindsay's friends, whose name was Nikki, was asleep one night and received a late night phone call. And half asleep, she answered the phone and she said she heard a woman with a funny accent on the other end of the line. Ooh. And she couldn't understand what the woman was saying. She was still half asleep. So she hangs up and then she suddenly like wakes up and realizes like, holy shit. I like she remembered what Lindsay had said about the strange accent of the client before she was murdered. And so right. she kind of panicked. She's like, who the hell was that? Like, could that have something to do with Lindsay's murder? So she calls the number back like 20 to 30 times over and over and over until someone finally answers. It's Shirley, Jason's mother. Ew, what? And so Shirley answers and Nikki's like, why did you call me with that weird accent? And Shirley says, oh, no, I was trying to call my secretary whose name is Nikki. And Nikki was like, but why do you even have my phone number? Like you're my friend Lindsay's mother-in-law. Like, right. It's just such a weird. She's like, how do you even have my phone number? And she's like, oh, my son, Jason must have just put it in my phone. Okay. And she's like, what the fuck? So she immediately calls police and is like, this is so sketchy. Jason's mom called me with this weird accent and then says like, Oh, it was a, it was a mistaken phone call in the middle of the night. And uh, police followed up on this and Shirley just denied that it ever happened. She's like, I've never, I never made that call. Nikki's lying. There's no way this ever happened. And so at this point it's kind of like, she said, she said, that's so weird. Ew. Right. Yeah, that makes and also like I have no idea what to do with that information. I don't know how to turn that into something that makes sense. And so that coupled with like the phone call to Jason's other ex-girlfriend is so weird. Like that it's just so creepy. I mean, it definitely does make Jason seem a lot more guilty because like his now his like his mom and right. like hit maybe his ex like are all somehow involved in this. Yeah, it's just like seems to be too many connections for this to be like coincidental. Yeah. Um, and also something I like didn't really mention, um, but there were some, like I said, she, uh, Lindsay thought Jason was a little bit controlling and she had actually decided pretty shortly before her murder that she was going to leave Jason. Mm. And um, she had actually been with Nikki, this friend, um, and they were hanging out at, her at Lindsay's house and Jason was asleep and Lindsay was telling Nikki like, Hey, I, you know what? Like, I think this relationship has run its course. I think I'm going to leave Jason. I think this is over. Turns out Jason was not asleep and was listening at the doorway. Oh shit. Her saying these things. And apparently Nikki got so scared. This friend that she ran out the front door and went running and Lindsay chased her 
And then Jason called her like 35 times in a row to try to get a hold of her. And like, so this is kind of a picture of what was going on in their relationship at the time. Yikes. Okay, got it. So that kind of adds just a little color to, right. I guess, their relationship. Um, and so I will say too, after that happened, um, Shirley took Jason and uh, Lindsay and their family on a ski trip. And when she came back, apparently she had like super softened and said like, never <gasps> mind, I'm no. actually going to stay with Jason. We're going to make this work. I, I changed my mind. Like, I think... I think things are going to be fine. And so that was kind of where things stood when. Uh, oh, boy. When okay. Well, I'm sure that's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I, I'm sure that's like meaningful information. But again, like a lot of this information is so, so close to making it really creepy, but I don't know how. Yes, 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 exactly. And then there's this whole drug bust thing, which is like, it's a totally different storyline but also kind of fits so it's like what the hell happened here yeah i yeah i'm at i'm lost i don't know <laughs> another couple fun facts here is that also just to clarify real quick so nikki the one who answered the phone and shirley was on the other end of the line is the friend that got chased out of the house when right yeah, okay so that's who that was but um another fun fact is that shirley jason's mom told police shortly after Lindsay's murder that Lindsay was very scared of her ex-boyfriend, um, whose name I believe is Matt. Okay. And uh, all of her friends were like, no, she was not. Like, they were very close. They were, like, super connected. Um, their relationship didn't work out, but she was never scared of him. Like, he was never hostile or violent. Like, if anyone was, maybe it was... Jason was not violent or abusive, but they were like, nothing happened with Matt. Like, there was... In fact, sometimes she says she misses him and misses what they had. Um Okay. And so it's just a little weird that Shirley like went to the police and said, Oh, well, Lindsay told me she was scared of her ex-boyfriend and all her friends. Were like, right. No, she would never say that. Like trying to pin it on a different relationship. So maybe her son's protected. Exactly. Or something. I, I think her, I think Jason's very guilty <laughs> in a way. Something with Shirley is throwing me off big time. Like something sketchy is going on. When you combine that with the fact that his, uh, but you know she was known to want to leave him and then quickly changed her mind but then also like he was kind of controlling so i wonder why she changed her mind and she he was desperate to like be friends with that colleague that night and like you know have an alibi right it all sounds kind of fishy yeah and so it's it's very creepy but it's definitely all very like circumstantial and so you know at this point like we can only surmise i guess um and also, so every February at this point, Lindsay's father, Jeff, is still very outspoken. He was actually interviewed in the um, Case Bell episode, which I think was from 2016. But he's still really outspoken about Lindsay's case. Um, he's pretty frustrated that nothing's been solved at this point. Um, every February, which is a month on the day that she was killed in February, um, Jeff holds an annual walk of remembrance to keep her case kind of in the public eye. Um, he also runs a website and it's called, uh, lindsaybuziakmurder.com. And that's kind of where he says, like, submit any information you have. And, uh, in 2017, uh, this creepy comment came in that kind of like reopened the case a little bit. Okay. And it was a comment, an anonymous person. And it said, I killed Lindsay and stupid cops will never prove it. So you all got nothing. Oh. No one gives a shit anymore. Anyhow. <laughs> sorry that i was yeah. like okay damn yeah it gets really it gets worse 
So it says, um, no one gives a shit anymore anyhow except her crybaby dad. <gasps> Even her fakey girlfriend washed it away. Typical loser chicks. Sandwich cops dropped it because they can't solve shit and were told to drop it. Cut the phony investigation. It's done. Go home, losers. Forget about her. The street always rules. Bitches die every day. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that came in and her dad was like, what the fuck? And so obviously he immediately sent that to the police department. But they pretty quickly were like, no, this isn't credible and didn't follow up on it. Okay. Uh, And so a lot of people are really frustrated with the police um, and their, I guess, lack of investigation on this. Um, A lot of people believe outright that the police are not investigating her murder. Some people believe they know who killed her, but are covering it up, maybe because of the drug bust or who knows. There are uh, two comprehensive reviews by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police um, that disproved this. uh, But they did kind of, they like keep saying, oh, it's an active open investigation, but then kind of nothing happens. Okay. Um, Stuff like this, when Jeff sends it in, they're like, well... We're not going to follow up on it. I don't think it's anything. So um, in early 2020, so this year, uh, a petition to have Lindsay Buziak's murder case turned over to a different police agency um, started by an American woman garnered 1,800 signatures, but unfortunately was declined by both the RCMP and the Saanich police. So that kind of flopped as far as I know. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, but they do still say that it's an active and open investigation. So if you do have any information about the murder of Lindsay Buziak, you can call the Saanich Police Department tip line at 205-475-4313, or you can contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. And that is the horrific story of the murder of Lindsay Buziak. Wow. Whew. Well, that's awful. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, also... That that being said, well done, though, because, like, that's a lot of information and a lot of, like, information that doesn't lead to anything, but probably all leads to something. I have to say, like, I was very thankful that so many podcasts have covered this because I had to listen to, like, three or four separate episodes before I, like, could even wrap my head around the drug bust thing. I still probably butchered it, but, like, it's just so confusing that, like, one of them had an acquaintance who was busted and then the other one, like had a different acquaintance and this new person it's just so confusing yeah uh well done because that sounds like it was probably a headache to research oh well thank you my uh my head does hurt i will say (laughs) well good excellent that means you worked hard (laughs) that's the sign right everyone body pain aches and pains aches and pains we're doing no i i mean yeah, I personally think that either Jason did it or helped his mother do it in some way. Or they know something. I think at least they know something or were involved somehow. Yeah, I agree. They definitely know something. Too sketchy. Hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully they don't come after us. In which I case, I say. don't believe they did it at all. <laughs> also, they're beautiful people. <laughs> and I just love that magenta dress. No, I'm just kidding. That was I not think hers, your, but... your hot pants. Yes. Your hot pants. Oh. Anyway, well, uh, hopefully this recorded too. Hopefully this recorded. Yeah. I I mean, who's to say in the beginning we had some technical difficulties. So hopefully (laughs) on Sunday something is planned for you guys. Yeah. This is a Um, uh, three-part recording that we've somehow made Eva smash together. So (laughs) if there's any weird moments, that's probably why. Exactly. Also, I had acid reflux, so that's part of it too. But That really took the cake. That was the the real showstopper here. (laughs) but uh oh man all right thanks guys for listening 
Yeah, we're, uh, I think we put out a listener episode last week mm. that we're about to record now. Yes. So go back in time and enjoy it. Also happy belated to Linda because on April 2nd, oh. April 2nd, she uh, climbed one more step on that ladder. So <laughs> to 40, right? To 40? To 39, actually. 39, right. Sorry. Yes. Oh my God. I'm wow. so sorry. That's okay. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. My bad. <laughs> um, I forgot, but yeah, I forgot. Uh, and on April 4th is, uh, Ellen Schieffer's birthday. So Aww. we got a couple of Aries in the house. That seems about right. That does sound about right. Of course they raised the Geminis. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. Well, happy birthday, Linda. Um, hope it was a rager. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was while she's quarantined. She's probably so true. digging up old moonshine in the basement or something. So, oh my God. She's like, I finally, I've been waiting for it <laughs> to open this up. I knew I would need this for something. And now the days come. She's right. I'm jealous. Well, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. We'll see you. Hopefully we'll make it through. All right. And that's why (laughs) we drink. (laughs) It's like we're toddlers learning how to podcast. Okay. (laughs) Bye.